Welcome to episode 51 of Mad Props. Thank you guys for listening and watching. Now, if you're listening, um, this well, it's going to affect you either way. But if you're watching in a second, you're going to be very confused because my entire attire like that is going to change. Um, so during this recording, we had some connectivity problems um, through the editing. We made it sound you know, good. But in the beginning, it was recording, then it actually stopped recording, then it picked back up. Um, after all that, it uh, had some times where she would be talking and I couldn't hear. And then I'd be talking and she couldn't hear. And it, <laughs> there's some, I'm not gonna lie, there's some awkward pauses, there's some talking over, but we went through we we did the best we could. Um, the the interview still comes out great, so don't turn this off. <laughs> the interview still comes out great. Um, so we're gonna get into that. And Monica Abbott is here; she is great. But before we get into all that, make sure that you go subscribe to Schnabel Studios on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube right now and you're not subscribed, like ninety five ninety five percent of the people that watched. Alan Hans, Mad Props were not subscribed. If you're watching this right now and you're not subscribed, please subscribe to the channel. We are trying to build the channel so we can bring you more content. And uh, that's how we do it. You know, the more subscribers we get, the better we could do with that. So please go subscribe to the channel. That's Schnabel Studios on YouTube. If you want to follow us on social, you can follow us at Schnabel Studios on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok. YouTube again, LinkedIn. I know it sounds weird, but you can also do it on LinkedIn. You can follow Schnabel Studios, any of those places. If you want to go on Facebook or Instagram and just see Mad Props, search Mad Props Pod on Instagram or Mad Props with Chris Schnabel on uh, Facebook. You can like, you can follow those, and you can get just Mad Props stuff. We do just post individual stuff to those that do not go on Schnabel Studios. So if you want to just follow the podcast there, Go follow the podcast there. Make sure you check out the new sketching up that just came out. We revealed the brackets um, for the cartoon song bracket tournament, whatever you want to call it. It was really fun. Uh, there's a lot of good songs on there, a lot of different style bracket. Um, we had uh, the four song, which is you know shows with four songs, the two songs with the show with two songs. There's some repeating so uh, shows on there. There's some single shows on there. So go check that out. You can, you can find that at Sketching Up Podcast on Instagram, or you could just search Schnabel Studios wherever you get your podcast, and then find Sketching Up there. So go follow that. Please, please, please subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue building and posting and doing all that for you guys. So coming up, we're going to have Monica Abbott here, uh, one of, if not the best softball player of all time. She is an absolute stud inside the diamond. She recently retired from softball, so we're going to talk to her a little bit about that, talk to her a little bit of on-field persona. Like I said, usually we try to keep this conversational, but the conversations are a little, a little awkward because of the internet connectivity problems. So if something sounds very scripted or something like that, we kind of had to go off the script when things would go out a little haywire. Um, Monica actually joined me. Um, on a podcast we did for, it was called um, BannerSportsJournal.com. I did with Dave Puglisi, Joe Brown, and others. Um, she joined us on an episode that was like 10-ish years ago, maybe. Maybe even had to have been like 10 years ago now that she joined us. She was in the middle of her career. Um, 
I, in one part that gets cut out, I'll explain it now. I'm telling her, yeah, we did this like 10 years ago. Um, you don't have to remember it because I barely remember the questions. I just remember you were on there and that's how I know how to reach out to you and stuff like that. So, um, it kind of picks up from there, but she joins us for this. She was an excellent guest. Uh, she was a trooper. I wish we could show you the post interview conversation we had because it was a very long and very good conversation that would have been great for the podcast. But unfortunately, <laughs> we're not recording anymore because it wasn't part of the podcast. Doesn't matter. You're going to enjoy this episode. Definitely, definitely, definitely listen and tune in with Monica Abbott because she is a great guest. And make sure you follow her on all her socials. Uh, Monica Abbott O-Y-L because she is an Olympic did I get that right? O-L-Y. Because she's an Olympic athlete. You can follow her on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all those places. Go follow Monica and buy her book, by the way. She has a new book out. Go buy her book. Definitely, definitely, definitely buy her book. We'll link it in the bottom so you can check that out and go get that. Okay, without further ado, let's get to the episode with Monica Abbott. Mad props. Hi, I'm Monica Abbott. Let's start this show. Monica Abbott's here. Thank you so much for joining us here on Magic Props. Happy retirement. I just want to ask, like, how did you know it was time to retire? Like, how did you, how did you know? We're going to get right into it. I knew, I knew for a while that, like, the end was coming and that last year that I played, um, I was really glad it was the year after the Olympic games, I was able to play with a lot less stress and free and just for the love of the game and kind of knowing that like my career was coming to an end. And, uh, I think a lot of people around me knew it as well, although it wasn't necessarily public knowledge yet. And it was just nice to be able to play with that freedom, um, and love of the game. I think, you know, when you've played, a long career, you know, you think about all the highs and lows and that last year that I played, I was really able to really take in the moments and kind of appreciate the youth I had early on in my career, you know, when we did that podcast and then uh, <laughs> kind of like the knowledge and experience I've gained and grown with uh, towards the end of my career. And I can could recognize that in some of the girls that I was playing with um, because I knew where they were at in their their own uh, individual softball journeys. So did you kind of feel like um, one day you're just like this, this is it? Or was it kind of something that led up after a while then? Um, I think that oh, I started to feel like, okay, I could, I started to feel on my heart that I was pulled in other directions. And I felt like I could have probably gone out there and pitched another like five, six years and thrown like 77, 78 miles an hour that entire time. But I started to realize that like, I felt like my, um, my heart was pulling me in a different direction. I wanted to give back to the sport more. I wanted to be home and like nurture some of the, um, opportunities I had at home. Um, when you're playing full time, you're in this bubble and you don't really realize it 
but you get kind of like in this like warp zone of time where you're not, you don't have time to spend on other projects or invest in other in your community or in your sport in other ways because you are playing so much and practice training you know all the things that you do uh, revolve around revolve around that and so i was starting to just feel like i wanted to kind of spread my wings in other directions and um see what i could do there so after you retired, you released a book and we'll get to that in a little bit, yeah. but like, what kind of hobbies have you picked up? Have you done anything like new? Are you doing anything like crazy? What do you, what have you done since you retired? Um, hobbies that I've picked up since I retired. Um, I've been playing pickleball cause that's like the new thing. Yes. I had to try that out. Huge. It's fun. Like it's, I like it cause I'm not serious about it. And, yeah, it's it's tough to find people like that though. That's yeah, that's the hard part about pickleball. About it, which I get, but for me, it's just like I could turn off the competitive um, piece on that. So I've tried a little bit of golf. Um, just haven't has had as much time uh, to spend on that. And yeah, just still kind of coaching and teaching and putting on softball events. I have a tournament here in Kansas City on. October 14th and 15th. And I have a tournament in Salinas, California on November 4th and 5th. So doing a couple different events and still doing softball stuff, but in a different way. Uh, it's going back to pickleball really quick. Cause it's also yeah. a recent hobby I've picked up. So it's fun, I right? started, it's, it is a lot of fun. I will not say I'm good at it, but see the seeing as the median age is usually 75. I'm one of the more athletic people out there, which helps me out because like, I I'm not that good, but the it's, you see these people, you see the older, the older people on the court and they don't move, but when they hit the ball, it curves and rotates and goes, yeah. oh, it's nuts how good they are at it. But okay, I end up being able to hold my own. Let me ask you a question. When yeah. you do a backhand in pickleball, <laughs> when you do the backhand, mind you, I am not, I'm not competitive at all, but when you do a backhand in your in pickleball, do you keep your, the paddle in the same hand? Yes. So okay. I, I started to play pickleball because I picked up tennis. Uh -huh. So I had tennis lessons a little bit. I picked up tennis in 2021 because I worked the U.S. Open and I kind of really loved the sport. That's what so I wanted I got my lessons. retirement sport to be is I want my retirement sport to be tennis. <sighs> I'm telling you, you like pickleball. You're tennis is so fun. It is so much fun. And it's like, I, you talk about competitiveness, like playing it. Like I do feel competitive doing it, even though you know, I stink. Like I'm not good. I'm not out here like any good, <laughs> but <laughs> I it just, it, I, it feels good. And you run a lot and it's a lot about technique. Like yeah. obviously you need the athleticism to get court to court and side to side, but it's so much about technique. If you're, if your mechanics are just even a little bit off, you're going to sail it, hit it right into the net. So I do love it a lot, but that's, so I do keep one hand on in the same hand because I was playing tennis before I played pickleball. Okay. I don't know what you're supposed to do in pickleball, but the first time I went out there, I had enough time because we were just playing casually. And so every time it was a backhand, I would like just switch the paddle and make it a forehand. <laughs> and all of a sudden, so like, all of a sudden I just became ambidextrous in pickleball. Wouldn't that be, that'd be a, a fun twist on it is you have two paddles in each hand and 
whatever one you can go for. That would be that would be really crazy. But I actually, you're not the only person. I have a friend who's a football coach that came out and played with us once, and he does the same thing. I think it's just like a natural thing to go to the because you have more reach in the other hand if it's out there, and yeah. if you have enough time, why not do it? But um, I don't think you're alone in that. I think that's actually something. I mean, when I used to hold a tennis racket before I learned to play, I used to choke up on it because I played baseball as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not going to hold it all the way back here. Like, I'm going to hold it up more because I have more sturdiness and more. And then you realize why you hold it all the way back when you start playing yeah. tennis more. And it's, again, because of the mechanics and the rotation and all that other stuff. But Definitely. Pickleball is fun. Pickleball is definitely fun. And, and fun. people are very competitive on the court. So it's mm-hmm. good that you're not and you can kind of tone that. You had enough. You had enough time of being competitive it's time to take it easy yeah like i had a lot of like competition and like really high level intense competition playing (laughs) so i think the fact that i can tone down my competition in a sport like pickleball or just something that i know is not like to that extreme um you know it's not like high stakes and championship game gold medal on the line you know i can hear it is, it is a, it, the comp- competition level. I still want to win, but yeah, I don't, it's not life and death. <laughs> it, it is. It's impressive to do that because I uh, like people that are either former or current athletes, even like former high school athletes. I know like when they go out there, very, very competitive, no matter what. Yeah. So for you to have that skill to be able to turn it off is like extremely impressive. Really? I'm doing it for everybody else because I don't want to scare them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I, I was playing against Barbara and she's 89 and she was scaring me. So it's okay if you want to go out there and do that. Because <laughs> she was ultra competitive and she didn't move and she still beat me like in straight sets. And oh, it's, man. Yeah, I do love it. I It's funny. And oh, golf is a fun awesome. one that you. So fun. You, so fun. It's go- golf is a funny one that you say because I feel like golf is like the that's the retirement game. Like it doesn't matter if you're an athlete or an accountant or anything. When you retire, you just have to pick up golf. Like it's the right. thing everyone picks Thanks. up and it's because it's slow and you can take your time and you can go out whenever, you know, you can go yeah. out at night, you can go out in the morning, whenever, but uh, how much have you been doing that? Um, not as much as I'd like, but I've definitely gone out like a bit and it's just, it's just one of those sports where, I get excited to go and play, but then I'm like, gosh, like halfway through the round, I'm like, man, I'm, this isn't that fun. And then, <laughs> and then you go to the next hole and you actually make a good shot and you're like, Oh, that actually went where I wanted it to. <laughs> look out so, Tiger Woods. <laughs> I know. Look out LPGA tour here. Like the, you know, fundraising and, you know, fundraising golf tournaments. So, yeah. And- Wait, that's again another we have an unexpected guest sorry my dog was barking it's okay yeah. we love dogs on this show my dogs have made it into certain certain shows just jumping on my lap during interviews so it's completely yeah, fine I was he, did it. he was cuddling around my feet and then he heard a noise so then bark attack here we come <laughs> This is a dog-friendly show. Hey, the more guests, the merrier. I want to hear what everyone yeah. has to say. You know, dogs yeah, want to get in on it; they can get in on it. Golf really hit us hit a spot with the dog. Yeah. So. But um, awesome. So uh, the foundations you've been doing. You said you've been able to do more time on that. Can you tell us a little bit about the, some of these foundations and what you do with them? Well, the biggest thing that I kind of the biggest thing that I kind of work on and spend my time on is just things that 
so I have a scholarship that I have and it's just for young female athletes, high school seniors. I give out two a year and we're just trying to fundraise so we can actually give them more money. <laughs> um, that's the constant battle or give out more awards. So um, that's kind of the goal is just to kind of empower those athletes that, uh, you know, maybe they have a college scholarship to play softball, but maybe they're only on 60%, you know, or maybe they're a multi-sport athlete and we're really good in high school, but they're just going to, they decided they don't want to play in college, but um, they want to work in sports broadcasting or sports marketing or things like that. So just trying to give back to some of those athletes that can continue to um, grow in our sport and, and play. So got to empower the next generation, right? Like give them yeah. some opportunities. I, I, I think that's amazing. I mean, I've had multiple guests come on that kind of are in the same boat as you. Um, Jackie Jamelos does the same thing with the scholarship. It's because I just, I love having people on that do this stuff because I, I would, I just, any kind of light I can shine on, like the female athlete, the females getting involved as well. Like I, I, I just, it's such an unfair balance and they can make whatever rules they want. It's always an unfair balance. So any kind of thing like that just impresses me and I applaud it so much because it's just not something that is, is pointed out enough. It really isn't. And yeah, I, mean, I think it's, I think it starts with like education, you know, I think you got to get the girls more education, which equals more opportunities. Right. And I mm -hmm. think once, and they also need to be more, more, uh, in visible, right? Like if you see it, you can do it. The thing that hurts females, female athletes or women in business, all these things is that a lot of times we don't see them. They're not publicized as much. So it's hard for us to find yeah, find a role, mo a model, someone to model ourselves after. Um, luckily with social media, that's kind of changing, right? Like we're seeing a lot more, you know, mm -hmm. athletes and highlights, whether it's on ESPNW or on TV or, you know, whatever your social media platform is. Um, the more yeah. that you're visible, the more likely, you know, you can create change and growth in the youth. And, and we see the, we see the growth and we see the change. I mean, we'll stick with softball and ESPN. The, the college world series is usually one of their, it, it does good ratings every single year. And it's very entertaining. I am a huge baseball fan. I play baseball my whole life. I would rather watch the softball world series than the baseball college world series. Cause it's fast paced. It's exciting. There's just so much going on. I, I just really enjoy it. And, that I mean, the WNBA is growing, like all these mm -hmm. things, like keep shining light on it. It's amazing. And I'm glad to see it's all growing because yeah, no matter if it's, it's cool. you coming on now or people that came on three years ago and talk about the same thing, you, know, you can see the growth and it's really amazing. And it's for people yeah, like you I doing think, things like this. Yeah, I think it's people, people are sports people, right? Like, I mean, yeah, you're not, yes, you may have your favorite sport that you watch or use or favorite team or club that you follow. But for the most people part, people are sports people. They want to watch multiple types of sports. You know, they're going to turn on baseball or hockey or tennis or, you know, basketball or softball just as much as they're going to turn on, you know, if they're, if their team are, is playing or not. So if they just want to watch um, people compete, 
at a high level. It's fun. It's fun to watch that and see them yeah. see the see the drama, the drama of sports. It's um it's one of the big reasons I got so drawn into tennis as well when I went to uh, work the open it's because both sides are extremely competitive and they're they're completely treated the same like it's mm-hmm. same payout for both sides um yeah. the, the the shine on the women's game is the same shine as the men's game obviously you see the three Djokovic and Alcaraz and stuff get a lot but I mean no one no one disrespects Serena Williams as much as uh, in some other sports where they're saying well that that's not as much as this or WNBA not as much as NBA like everyone's treated very and it's something that really drew me to that that's another reason I loved it so much I'm glad that I had the experience because it just it just really did it just really did all that um really quick I want to switch over to your book Rise and Shine the Monica Mm -hmm. Abbott story and you released that in April so that was just two months after you retired I believe was this yes. something you were like working on your whole career? Like the minute I retire, a book's coming out. Or did you just decide like, you know, I'm going to write a book? You know, when I graduate, when I finished playing at Tennessee, um, one of our one of our fans that I got kind of close with, um, she was an author and she had told me after we had a lunch and she's like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually an author. It, and you had this great career, the Women's College World Series and stuff a lot. It, you should think about writing a book about Tennessee in your time here. And at the time, I felt like I was like too close to my playing days at Tennessee. So I kind of told her, no, I'm not interested right now, but maybe down the road. That nugget kind of stuck with me over the years. And as I was getting later in my pro career, I was like, you know what? I should probably like get my story out there. I'm always doing podcasts. I'm doing interviews, um, speaking at clinics and motivational speaking events all across the country. It's time to like put it on paper so that it can reach, reach more, um, more people that maybe they can't see me in person. And after the Tokyo Olympic games, um, I started to think about it even more. And she actually, the, the author, Debbie and Rob Shriver, um, Debbie reached out to me and she was just like saying, oh, she watched me in the, in the Olympic Games and how much she enjoyed it. And she got she signed the email, you know, it, if you're ever interested in writing a book, my offer still stands. I'd love to write your book for you. And about a, cu- a couple months later, I was like, you know what, I need to take her up on this offer. So I called her and emailed her back and was like, well, actually, how do you feel about actually doing this? Like, how do you even do it? And there you have it. We wrote the book. A year later, we uh, we finished the book. And a year, about six months after that, the book was um, released to the public. That's amazing. I've, I, you know, it's something you always sit there and you're like, man, I want to write a book. But I have nothing interesting to write a book about. You have obviously an, an amazing career you get to write about. So that's that's an amazing thing. Um, there was one thing I took from the book that I, I really loved. Uh, you said that your personality, I, this is not exact quote, but your personality is different in your cleats. Like you, you are yeah. a different person in your cleats. How would you explain the person in the cleats? How would you explain the person outside the cleats? Yeah, I just think to compete... And like a high level, high stress environment, um, 
like professional sports, like you kind of take yourself to another level, so to speak. So that come and you have to be able to like find a switch to turn it on and be aggressive and confident and count on all the training and practices that you've done. Whereas like when you're not on the field, being able to separate those two things, because so then you can be a you can be the person you are for your family, your friends, your social life. And, you know, you can't live at that high stress, high, high focus, determined level 24 seven, you know, 24 seven, that's hard. So finding ways to turn it on and off. And so when I put my cleats on, when I stepped on the field, I felt like, okay, like, I'm superwoman. like I can, I can do anything I can strike anybody out. I can, I can throw 80 miles an hour, like, we're gonna win, you know, we got this. And it's that trust in the preparation that you've had, it's that trust in the in determination you feel in your heart. And that really sets you apart in a in a mental way up here, but also within your heart. And um, when you see your teammates standing around you feeling that same way, kind of, it really, it's so empowering. And just build strength in you. When when you have those big moments and like say you had a big strikeout or just a big whatever, big inning, um, some athletes or some people say like they just kind of blacked out in the moment after. Have you had that happen where you had a big strikeout <laughs> and you just don't remember anything after that because it was such a big like, moment, all the adrenaline running through you? Like you just kind of black out, you know? Yeah. I would say like in the moment I don't, but now when I look back, like when I watch video of myself and even when I was playing and I was, you know, watching video of myself in a game from the past, I'd be like, who is that? Wow. That was a good pitch. Who is that? I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like it's me. Um, you kind of like have this out of body experience sometimes where you're kind of like watching yourself from, you know, a third world view of like, Hey, like, did I actually throw that pitch? Like, it is so good. Like, how did I do that? And then I would go out to the bullpen or go out to practice and I would actually do it. I'm like, oh, okay, that was me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am <laughs> actually the yourself. <laughs> I am actually the person that did it on video too. Okay, thank goodness. I that wasn't a one time thing. Like <laughs> Um, yeah. So, and yeah. Blacking out is a for real thing. And I bet you almost every like high intense athlete, anyone that knows how to turn on the zone, so to speak, experiences it. Yeah, that's always something I've because I basically from every athlete ever said like, yeah, and those high because you just have so much adrenaline running through you. It's just like, boom, you just don't even remember what happens next. And it's just you go back and you look at it. You're like, oh, I did that. Like That's what I did. Like, that's how I celebrated. That's how I did this. So I just wanted to see that also because you said you have that on and off and it doesn't matter once that happens. Everyone does it. Um, One one other story from the book that I really enjoyed um, was your uh, experience in Japan and um having to learn japanese and getting kind of you know laughed at for it because it wasn't obviously you're not fluent in it you just had it um do you have any good stories from when you were overseas in japan and how um how is your japanese nowadays yeah um i have a lot of good stories about japan just because you know i played there for quite a bit for quite a while longer than i expected um but it was a place that allowed me to be a professional 
Um, but I was just so bad at Japanese, like just so bad. I think everybody feels that way. It's not like a common language, you know, like they only speak it in Japan unless Japanese folks are elsewhere. So it's not like it's um, a common language in the world, like Spanish or French would be or English. Um, so yeah, I can speak a little bit of Japanese, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I should say something right now. Uh, I could give you a sentence, but I don't know if uh, oh, how would you say, hi, my name is like that. Like that's the, the basic one everyone learns, right? Hi, my yeah, name is. Like, now I'm like thinking Spanish and. Because uh, <laughs> that's what everyone it. does for Spanish <laughs> lessons. Yeah. Konnichiwa. Watashi wa manaka aboto desu. So I just said, hi, hello, my name is Monica Abbott. Today I have an interview with you. That's it. Wow. I mean, it's, I, I I can't even learn a second language. So just for you to say two sentences just impresses me. (laughs) (laughs) I've tried to learn Spanish for years, but I couldn't, um, it, 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 really helped, it really helped being like, I was kind of immer, immersed, immersion, right? Like I immersed in their cult, country and the culture and in their language. Um, I did have an mm. interpreter when I was there and she, she was very helpful for me, especially in the bullpen, because it's one thing to learn another language, but there's another, it's another thing to talk about like fine details of sport, right? Like fine, intricate details about positioning, timing, rhythm, pitch calling, all, you know, movement, etc. in the, in to, in another language. So she's talked a lot about that strategy stuff. Whereas I was able to learn a lot of like the, you know, day-to-day life, ordering food, getting, you know, whatever, day-to-day life, ordering food, travel. I can really impress some people in Japanese if I needed to. If they don't know any Japanese. <laughs> it's got to so. be a fun party trick if nobody knows that you know Japanese to just start speaking it. That must be a really fun exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. It be pretty entertaining sometimes. Anyone could do Spanish. <laughs> How many people yeah. do you know come up and start speaking Japanese to you? It's, it, that's yeah. an amazing one. Um, it, was it was it kind of strange? Like we hear it all the time, especially in the United States. Like Spanish players need interpreters or something like that. Was it strange being that player that needed the interpreter because your teammates really couldn't understand what you're trying to say, and vice versa? No, I, I never really felt uncomfortable having the interpreter. Sometimes, you know, I was I was there most of the time with one other foreigner that spoke English, another American usually. Um, not every year, but most years I had, there was another person there, but you know, in Japan, they learn English because English is like the worldwide language. And they know Mm -hmm. that, you know, they know Japanese people know that Japanese is a, is a language native to their country. So if they want to work internationally, if they want to talk to foreigners, if they want to travel outside of their country, they need to know some sort of English. So um, a lot of them learn English all the way up, like we would learn Spanish and they take English classes from kindergarten all the way through high school. So they have a basic proficiency of, you know, hi, my name is, 
but um, so it is interesting. Yeah, it is interesting being in a country where no one speaks your language, like it's not their primary language, just because Mm -hmm. it makes you like, it made me have to really be uncomfortable. If that makes sense. Like I was very, you have to be uncomfortable and be willing to be embarrassed. You have to be willing to say the wrong thing, to laugh at yourself because you know how stupid you sound. Like (laughs) you have to be willing to like, try and be uncomfortable in in that way um and that actually i i thank god that i went there because i feel like it really helped me grow as a human and as a person because i was so uncomfortable i did have to learn how to like not take myself so seriously laugh at myself and all the dumb mistakes i did and be okay with it and take it as a memory and take it as a good time so yeah did that did that worry you going into it? You're like, I can sign here. It'll be really good for my career, but I'm going to be very uncomfortable because I don't know the language. Like, were you worried about that? Like when you first were going or were you like, nope, this is a great opportunity. I'll figure it out as I go. No, I was a little worried about like, just, I was worried about if, you know, if someone else was going to be there, I really wanted to have another teammate that I could talk to. Um, I knew it was a good opportunity, but I was definitely like, okay, I need to make sure like my life is going to be okay, you know, because you only play softball so many hours of the day. Like, what am I going to do when, when we're not playing, you know, like I need to be able to talk to someone, go to dinner with someone, um, just those sort of like lifestyle things and be able to like, also just like go to the grocery store and be able to it sounds so dumb, but like, I remember I went to the grocery store. I bought, or we're trying to like, I was trying to get cooking oil, right. To like, just mm-hmm. cook food, like in a skillet, that's it. Like in my apartment and there's all this line of stuff. And I was just trying to get like olive oil. Right. And I like, okay, this looks like olive oil. Like I pick it out, I go home and it's like vinegar. It was vinegar. I cooked an entire meal in vinegar and didn't know it until it was like, I was like so excited. I got all these, you know, like this great meal. And like, I go to eat the first bite and it's, you know, it was vinegar. It was like a rice vinegar. So it wasn't like a strong smelling, but. And then you were, you were glad you learned the takeout menu after that one. I'm assuming. And then after that, I was like, okay, butter. (laughs) Pictures, pictures. So yeah, you definitely learned. To, to laugh at yourself and um, become really good at charades. <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a couple mm-hmm. minutes left. I just want to go back really quick. So we talked a little bit about, you know, some stuff you've done after retiring. What is and yeah. so a couple of things you're going to be working on? What are some things you really want to like do like that you've always wanted to do? You just you were playing, you never had the time to do it. And now you now you I mean, you don't have all the time in the world because you're obviously doing all this stuff, but now you, you have more time now that you've retired. What is some, uh, what's something that you really want to do? I think like for me, it's just being home and like spending time with family. Like when you're playing, you miss a lot of stuff. You miss weddings, you miss birthdays, you miss parties and having people over and stuff like that. So just experience some of those day-to-day things that I didn't get to in the past. And also like, honestly, I really am just looking forward to just, I don't know, just being a part of 
I don't know, just being home and I don't know. Also, like I wrote a book, like I wrote Rise and Shine, the Monica Abbott story. Like that's a pretty big deal. I never thought I was going to have time for that, but it officially came out, which is huge. So everyone, please go get it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yes. But, anywhere, anywhere you get your books, go get it. Yeah, just um, go get it. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Cause I feel like if you ask most, like anybody that question, like, what are you going to do that you're tired? It's like the answer is travel, but you were with Team USA. You traveled all the time. <laughs> like you went all yeah, over the place. Yeah. But so it's like oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like I'd rather just stay home now. I've I've already traveled the whole world. Yeah, I'm good. I, I don't I don't really. I mean, I'll travel, but just I'm good to stay home. <laughs> I'm okay staying yeah. home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had enough of that for a lifetime. Is there anything else other than obviously the book and the camps that you'd like to talk about quick before we wrap up? No, I think I'm good on everything. This was great. <laughs> That's all the plugs. Okay, so uh, definitely go get Rise and Shine, the Monica Abbott story. Wherever you get your books, it's a good read. I read it before this. Go check it out. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you being here. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much, Monica, for joining us. Thank you all for listening. Remember to subscribe to Schnabel Studios on YouTube so we can keep bringing you great content. Not only that, you can keep up with all things Mad Props. You can see all episodes of Mad Props. Two weeks ago, we had Alan Hahn of ESPN on. Um, we have another one coming out in two weeks as well. So you can get updated first, see it first, subscribe to the YouTube channel to do that. Make sure you get Rise and Shine, the Monica Abbott story. That is Monica's book. She uh, just released earlier this year. Um, goes over her entire career from the United States to Japan to the Olympics to all that stuff, all the travel. Go check that out. It is there for you in the link below. Go link it. Go check it. Make sure you follow us on Schnabel Studios on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And I think that's all I have there. Yeah, that's all we have. I always want to say MySpace. I don't know why, uh, but we don't have a MySpace, so you can't get us on that. But go check us out on all that other stuff. Uh, we update constantly. We're updating Sketching Up. We're updating Mad Props. We're updating uh, Southern Hospitality. We're updating other things that we do as well. So go check that out. You're going to love the stuff we got on there. You can also just follow Mad Props, the podcast, at Mad Props Pod on Instagram or Mad Props with Chris Schnabel on Facebook. Again, we update constantly and we do things that aren't on Schnabel Studios necessarily. So you could go follow us individually on there. And if you want to reach out, reach out to either Schnabel Studios or Mad Props. Any comments, any concerns, anything you could do to help us really helps. Um, so go follow those. Subscribe to the YouTube channel again. All right. So that was episode 51. Thank you so much, Monica. Again, go buy Rise and Shine. Learn more about her story, especially after this episode. You're going to want to get that book to really get her story because we were all over the place with it. But go buy that. You can get it on Amazon right now or in the link below to uh, check that out. Make sure you get ready, Mad Props. Uh, episode 52 will be coming in two weeks. So definitely stick around. Definitely if you are a watcher. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you are a listener, look up Mad Props wherever you get your podcasts and you can get it there. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Guys and gals, I should say. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you here. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Comment. Everything. We love you. See you later. This was Mad Props.